You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Jasper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 139 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. And a while back, uh, well, to be honest, it's quite some time ago, but <laughs> we received a question from one of the Patreon supporters. Uh, Dominic asked if race, sex, like male and female, and sexuality matters and is relevant to think about when writing fantasy fiction. And that is what we aim to answer today or at least share some thoughts on because we <laughs> noticed how the same topic actually came up a few times in the I Am Writing Fantasy Facebook group. Yeah. So it's apparently something a number of authors are wondering about. Yeah, I think I'm looking forward to this one. And actually, a couple of the books I've read rec- recently kind of prepared me for this one. So I think we'll have some stuff to discuss. But first, so how are things going in Denmark? That's good. Yeah. Well, it's uh, going fine. I actually started a kayaking course. Nice. So um, the other day, yeah. Well, I, I I think I emailed you a bit about it, but we never got to talk about how it went. <laughs> yes. Well, plus it's a sea kayaking uh, course, so yeah, you're out in the ocean in Denmark. Yes, it At is. Least it's August, so that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, of course, you you have all the gear on and so on. So it's not mm. because it's cold, but uh, there was we were out on Tuesday, so a couple of days ago at the point of recording this, and uh, there was a lot of waves and a <laughs> lot of wind. So uh, it was a and you so they do like a five to six weeks course where you sort of learn all the techniques and how to save yourself if you fall into the water and all that. kind. So you you do a lot of practicing over like five or six weeks. And then once you're done, you are sort of released. Uh, Not You can't (laughs) just go out as you please, even I think even after that, but you can go out with some other people and and so on. But uh, on Tuesday, then I was out for the first time and we were supposed to sort of first just sail a bit. Uh-huh. But there was way too many waves, so it was like <laughs> the instructor said, "No, let's just go back closer to the to the shore because there's way too much wave here." Uh, so we we did that, and uh, all my way back, I fell in for the first time, <laughs> which was not on purpose. Oh no! <laughs> Good practice, though. <laughs> yeah. And then we got back, and then uh, yeah, at that point, we haven't even practiced how to save ourselves or anything. So, but. Uh, it was very shallow water because we were trying to keep uh, close to the beach because uh, of all the waves. Yeah. So yeah, I could just you know stand on the uh, on the bottom. I so it was not too bad. Um, and then we were supposed to train saving ourselves. So he said like we need to tip over, you know, on purpose. Yeah. Um, two times each. Oh, geez. And then. You know, get get out of the kayak while you're basically upside down. So underneath water, get out of the kayak and get up and turn it around. And then he showed some techniques on how to climb on, on board again, which is pretty 
difficult, I have to say. Yes. <laughs> uh, because you're out in the water and the kayak is shaking and it's, it's not very sturdy either, right? And you have to climb on board of it. It's, that's not easy. But um, but he showed some techniques to do that. Uh, and so I think the first time I tried, I actually got up on the kayak and then I plumped <laughs> into the water on the other side of it. <laughs> so I was just back <laughs> in the water again. That's horrible. <laughs> That's great. I wish I had a recording of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you yeah. make me miss And then my... I did my two practice things. Yeah. You yeah, then practice. I did my two practice, uh, you know, tipping over on purpose. And uh-huh. then he said, like the Indian, he said, okay, I, I think that's it. We, we will stop for today. Let's sail back. And then we were sailing back. And then I, <laughs> I accidentally tipped over again. Oh. So I ended up in the water for the fifth time that day. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you got your dunking in. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, you, I got so. Yeah. You definitely making, when I, before I met my husband, my, I um, had done whitewater kayaking and I was never particularly good at the rolls, but you know, I was used to going down rapids. I was doing all that kind of stuff. And when we got to Maine, it was, it was a lot of lakes, but we both got sea kayaks and I had a 17 foot sea kayak, but it had a rudder on the back. So yeah, some of those techniques on how to get into it. I'm like, Oh, you don't want to watch out for the rudder. But yeah, when we um, left, I sold mine. He still has his because it's a fiberglass one and it's, gorgeous and so much lighter than mine but i miss the times we right. had on the water you know me i've had sailboats i've had kayaks we still have canoes um i like the water that sounds like a lot of fun yeah no uh, i like it too and and yeah and you you can you can sail some really you know so, some of you uh, very nice trips right you you can do yeah. and, and sail down some very nice uh like uh streams where you can go and watch some nature and while you're sailing it's very nice i think i like it but i have to say tuesday evening when i came back and i had taken my shower and i was back in the couch i had a bit of sore muscles that evening (laughs) but it's a good way to get some exercise in as well it is uh, you're you're making me miss it and what we're gonna do this one of these times there's actually a trail called the maine coastal kayak trail in maine and i forget it goes to like 200 different islands you go to an island every night and you camp and you just keep going down the trail so you and your wife and your kids you're gonna have to come over and we're gonna have to do it because it's been my goal to do that ever since i moved to maine was to at least do part of the Maine kayak trail so i think this might work out one of these days yeah we should do that yeah, I think it'd be really fun. Yeah, that would be cool. All right. Well, we got mm. we got plans. But what what about you then? Oh well, I'm I'm solitary again as my husband's off back up in Maine, guiding people on moose watching tours, canoe watching, you know, canoe and whitewater rafting. So <laughs> I'm getting all these gorgeous pictures of lakes and sunsets and moose, and I'm sitting in our little cabin in very dry Vermont, uh, working on graphic design, thinking. I need to get myself back up to Maine as soon as I can. So we're starting to figure that out so that maybe he'll have less of a commute when he goes to work <laughs> instead of being seven hours away. Um, he could maybe be a couple of hours away from home. That'd be nice. But otherwise, good, doing some fun designs. And we're actually in the yeah. middle. I don't know if you can hear the rain, but if anyone hears any thunder or interesting sounds, we're in the middle of the end of a tropical system. So we've had this high, it's like, it's not hot humidity, but it's high humidity and damp. And it's just been raining like it's a rainforest 
all day. It's it's very nice, but it's also very sticky. <laughs> so um, I'm expecting you yeah. a tree to fall over or something again. Oh no! And a bear coming yeah. up to the cabin or something. <laughs> Hopefully not, because I don't really want the dog and the bear to say too much. Usually, every time we dealt with bears, I almost always had the dog like somewhere high so I was never that worried except for one time literally in this property we were walking to the main house and I saw this creature moving through the field next door and running into the woods like running towards us it was going to cross our path and I just looked at him like damn why is there a Shetland pony loose and then I realized it wasn't a Shetland pony <laughs> it was one of the biggest black bears I have seen outside of Labrador and I mean I've seen some there are seen a huge some huge bears and even a grizzly oh. when we we're in dead horse alaska but this was he was like at least 300 pounds he was massive and we had the dog with us and he was ahead of us and he's well trained i just if you drop down and you kind of throw your arms open and you call for him he's like a hug so he turns around and comes running for me and i'm just focusing <laughs> on our dog while this massive black bear runs right behind him i'm just like holy okay that's you oh. like i said i have a little fizzy gig this was a bear <laughs> he wasn't even the size of this thing's head but it was really yeah. cool to get to see the bear what i saw yeah. of it i mostly saw it blurry behind the dog as so i'm like come on come back to me for a cookie well at, at least the dog is very quick i mean i mean even if the even if the bear wanted to attack it i i guess the, the dog could run away i, mean, I think he unless it's smart enough. stupid enough to <laughs> fight back he's a terrier so he might get it in his head that i can take it out but he's kind of a wussy terrier don't <laughs> tell him i said that what do you want to fight me okay oh do you have food is there food at the end of this because there's no food it's not worth it so <laughs> He's easily put him in for cookies. <laughs> a week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. So, uh, Autumn, I thought I would bring something slightly different for this section here today. Ooh, okay, I like. You know, I like changes. What's up? Yeah, I actually found an app that helps to improve your habits and getting rid of bad habits. It's wow. basically like gamifying your habits. That sounds kind of cool. What is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was because um, during the uh, during the summer holidays, I was sort of thinking, you know, I, I do a lot of uh, what is cardio exercising, you know, running and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't do very much in terms of, uh, I don't even know what it's called like, but, you know, like body strength exercising okay. kind of, you know. Yeah, like core muscle strength. strength. I don't yeah. do much of that. I, I just oh. mostly do, yeah, I mostly just do running. Okay. And I thought I should be doing more of uh, muscle strength and, and body strength and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But I've always found that kind of exercising quite boring, so I never get around to do it because it's like, ah, nah, I don't want to. <laughs> so during the summer holidays, I started, I, I must find a way where I can sort of motivate myself to do the stuff that I don't want to do. And then I found this app or this app here. for the. So it's basically just for the phone. You just download it from the app store. Um, but And it's called Habit RPG. 
So already <laughs> from the name, you can hear that it's it's a game, basically. I like but this. It's it's pretty cool. Be- yeah, because it's pretty cool because you basically ca- create a character like it's a role playing game. Like right? so, you create a character, and you're sort of. Um, you're leveling up your character, so you put in your own habits. Uh, you can either put in habits that you want to do, or mm-hmm. you can put in habits that you want to not do, right? <laughs> it either or. You you decide. You put it in yourself, and then you set your own schedule for like it could be that I want to do or I want to not do this thing every day, for example, whatever it may be, or and uh-huh. you can put in several as well. Um, and you define if it's difficult or easy and so on. And then the more difficult it is, the more experience point your character will get from completing it. Oh, nice. So basically every time you've done the habit you wanted to do, you, you click in the app and you say, okay, done. <laughs> and then your character gets experience points and he levels up and you can buy equipment for him and all and weapons and you can go on quests and fight bosses and all kinds of stuff. Ooh. So there's fighting like you don't need to sit there and, and press anything you, you just you just say i want to fight this boss and then if you complete enough of your habits then you'll defeat the boss so it's awesome it's pretty in, in a sense it's pretty primitive right but it is a way to just gamify your getting good habits so i showed it to my sons and, <laughs> and they've downloaded this it as well and they they put in all kinds of habits that they want they need to do like they uh, need to read more so they put in like oh. I'm, i have to read 10 pages every day and stuff like that so they put that stuff in into their yes. habit rpg uh, so it's i think it's pretty cool so i i thought i would share that because some people might uh, find something like that useful I think it sounds really useful. I'm always trying to get myself off of the computer and out the door more. So that could be a good one. Usually, you know, the dog encourages me, but he's not exactly high um, running or anything exercise. He can only go so far being so small. So that would be kind of, I might have to look into it too. Yeah, it's it's actually quite cool, especially for those people who who like role playing games and stuff like that. You know, this this will be right down their alley. To, uh, and once you get to level ten, you can choose if you want to be a mage or a warrior or a ranger or nice. all kinds of this. It's pretty cool. It is. I can yeah. see this totally transforming someone's writing. You can, you know, you're leveling up your role playing game <laughs> while getting your writing done. So yeah, you can put in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you could put in your writing sprints if you want to, like, I want to write 500 words per day, you could put that yeah. into it and say, okay, and then put that in and, and then every time you do it, you press that you've done it. I like it. Mm. Anything else before we move on? Oh, I don't think I have anything exciting to announce. I should probably uh, check out stuff, but life's been a little hectic. I I will have to put that into my role-playing habit game. <laughs> yeah okay so be it let's move on and on to today's topic so race sex and sexuality in fantasy and well to be honest autumn i'm not sure that in terms of its relevance that it's any more or less relevant than in fantasy than it is in any other genres what do you think I would say it's probably, I agree, it's probably just as important in every genre, but maybe fantasy, because of its own history and where it stems from, has its own hiccups and problems to overcome, might be a way of putting it. 
Okay, in what way? That, uh, like, if we say that fantasy started with Tolkien, which I agree, most of the fantasy as a, a genre did start with him, but fantasy as a type of storytelling has been going on since, you know, go back to ancient Greece, even prior to that, stories of fantastical nature and magical beasts and incredible powers have been along for around for a long, long time. But if you start with Tolkien and you do read the actual uh, you know, Lord of the Rings, there's very few female characters. There's absolutely no sex. And um, there's a lot of instances that mm. if you say this is what our tradition is, what we're based on, and you look at what modern readers like, there's a lot to uh, overcome. Yeah, I think, especially now that we just had summer holidays, you know, I, yeah. I've been reading a lot over over the summer holidays. Yeah. And at least if we're talking about like the sex scenes and stuff mm-hmm. like that, not that it's erotic, erotica, but, right. but in fantasy novels, like just the fact that you spent almost any time at all talking about what the characters are doing, you know, a bedroom kind of things. Yes. <laughs> the, it's... It is very, very limited what there is. In fact, it, it's actually quite rare. I would almost say that in a fantasy book that there is anything like that. Yeah, I would say unless you're getting into fantasy romance, there's some maybe in some dark fantasy. I think there yeah, might okay. be a little bit more. But yeah, you're getting into specific subgenres. But if you're in sword and sorcery and epic or high, I think there's a lot less. Yeah. Though. Again, it depends on if it's leaning towards YA or if it's leaning towards adults. Yeah, but e- even the stuff that is written for adults, like epic fantasy novels for adults, it's there is almost none of it uh, yeah. in in those books. Um, and and I also think that most readers would expect there not to be stuff like that so and to some extent i i think it's it is important to consider what reader expectations are and and think about that yeah. but at the same time i don't see why there's why you couldn't do like a bit more of the sexy stuff in the <laughs> book if you wanted to i agree i think there's a definitely room for there's a room for so much i mean up until uh, two books I read recently, I would have said that gender has become almost normalized. There was a time, like in the 80s, it was always like the token female. You had um, all the guys in the quest and one token female. And that's all there was. And almost, I would say almost every book I've p- picked up since, you know, the digital age of e-books and e-reading that there has always been a nice cadre of women that were well-developed But then I read two books this summer and they were horrible for their portrayals of women. They were noticeable that all the characters were men or that there's only bit parts for the women or they were never point of view characters for the women. And in one case, the women in the story were one of two types. They were either mousy and quiet and a little insane or hard ass, brittle, cold and possibly an assassin. And that's it. Those were the only type of mm. women. I was like, wow, did we backslide here? I've heard other authors, <laughs> I've heard male authors say, I don't know how to write women. I've been like, they're people. Write people. Every, you know, everyone's different. It's not that hard. But then I read these two books. And I'm like, wow, 
some people really don't know how to write the opposite gender. And then I have to admit, I read um, a different one. One, actually, one of those, the male point of view character was so strongly. It was being in a guy's head in a way that most fantasy books I had never been into. They, if I ever needed a description of what it was like to get kicked in the groin for a guy, oh, this book had several really good passages. I was like, I have never considered that. And <laughs> to think about it, I've never read that in a fantasy story before either. That's fascinating. <laughs> Why don't we hear more about this in fantasy? <laughs> I've been in a male's head, you know, a male knight for male mages for ages. They've never gotten kicked in the groin. Huh. <laughs> well, yeah, to be fair, I think that that's the part that would be difficult to write about the other gender. If I mean, that that's, yes. that's going to be difficult to imagine what that feels like. <laughs> yes. I, I don't expect a guy to, under, to write about what it's like to nurse a child, but they could probably try to make up something. And, you know, at this point, I could always refer back to this book if I ever need to write about a guy getting kicked in the groin because... Very good descriptions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but those no, are indeed. some of the misdemeanors. Yeah. Yeah. But I think apart from like the sexuality stuff, there, if we're also touching or talking about races, mm-hmm. um, because I think the nice thing about fantasy is that it sort of offers this, us this freedom as authors to, well, we imagine new races, we create new cultures, but we can use those things as tools to like examine maybe yes. sexual biases or gender biases or stuff like that mm-hmm. and may, may use it as a vehicle to to make the reader well could we say like reconsider his or her her own cultural assumptions to some degree so I think that that's what fantasy probably does better than most other genres or sci-fi as well, of course. Uh, You could put that in the same category here. But anything that has to do with like other kinds of races than humans and other kinds Mm -hmm. of people and cultures where you can start playing with these things Mm -hmm. and maybe show a different perspective of something that makes the reader think a bit like, huh, I I guess you could look at it like that, you know, because it becomes less mm, dangerous is the wrong word, but it mm-hmm. becomes less like confrontational when it's an elf and a dwarf rather than, uh, you know, two humans of, of different uh, skin color or whatever. Yes. I was going to say the same thing that your differences in skin color um, become so much less when you're talking about elves versus dwarves versus giants versus cognizant dragons or sentient dragons so or sentient trees we have ents you know so there i think i agree uh fantasy and sci-fi have managed to broaden the differentiation of the different races but also you know there's still a lot of subjectivism that there's still a lot of us versus them you know, human versus, or especially elves. Elves are always haughty. You know, they don't like the other races or dwarves are always this other way. So there's always those portrayals. And I think it's exciting when we get into something that is different, that kind of even breaks those molds and starts making you question why certain species are like this. And it's why I do like fantasy that comes up with new, new creatures and characters and races, because it's fun to see something different and it was a 
and it's also sometimes I, some of the newer fantasy is much more nuanced. I just finished a book, which I didn't even tell you I finished my first one that we're uh, currently reading. And it was right. interesting because it actually kind of talked about um, religion and some of like, it kind of tied up some Judaism, Muslim, sort of like this is, they have this one God that has this like skin, especially woman's flesh is just like, oh my goodness, oh my, you know, cover them head to toe. Don't even talk about you. Like they said, the problem of writing a law against sex when you can't even use the word sex is, is it was interesting to look at it and have that pulled apart. And it was literally, it wasn't even a different race. They just stuck with humans for the whole book. And I'm like, this is really interesting. I think I have a better understanding of this mindset and when it's being forced on other people and why other people are trying to force it on other people. I really thought the book was well-written in that way. And it's, it was nice because it was a fantasy world somewhere totally different. It didn't use, used a totally different God, just kind of pulled out elements that if you're paying attention, you're like, oh, oh, this is sort of probably what inspired them. And that is so interesting to read. Yeah, I think that either if it's like very deep world building where it really has nothing to do with like, cultures or races or whatever you want to call it here on earth but it's just so well developed that you can actually understand yeah. why you know a certain made-up race is behaving the way that they do and how they act uh, towards the other genders if it's really really deeply built i really enjoy that or mm -hmm. i also enjoy if it's if it's actually so that you can almost you, you can sort of recognize that this is probably built on 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 this these kind of this culture or this religion or something from uh, from real life mm -hmm. but then it just starts to sort of explore the some different viewpoints on it or maybe it makes you sort of understand maybe where these people are coming from not necessarily that that you agree from it when from reading but at least you can sort of you start seeing their perspective and you can translate that perspective into real life and so well i guess okay i i can find it, kind of see where in their culture this makes sense or something like i kind of like that uh, if yeah. it's either or i i think the stuff that just sort, sort of plummets in the middle where it's mm -hmm. just this mushy thing it's it may be based off some reality but doesn't quite um either is is it's almost not well built enough or either that you can sort of map any of the two sides together mm -hmm. the, I, I think those are the things that i i like the the least but it's of course all, all a matter of taste but but I, I just like if there is a bit of intention behind it yes I think the intention is always the importance. And it is interesting to watch an author grow because I always, that was, I told you, I just let, read many of Leigh Bardago's um, novels, so the Grisha stories. And I thought her world building was not top of the notch. You know, it, it, you could obviously tell which parts were from where, what of uh, this world that she was drawing from, you know, Russia, Nazis. There were some neat ones. It was sort of like Africa, Wild West. I'm like, oh, that was kind of a cool thing to lump together. But it was not really original. But as the story grow grew and the worlds grew more in depth and she explored them more, it became more authentic 
to where she was and you stopped seeing what it was based on. And I thought that was good, but it definitely, it took the first trilogy to get there. But what she was incredible, one of the best authors I've read about was her characters and her dynamics. And actually another aspect, she was so good. One, I mentioned she's really good at plot twists, but she's good at character twists, like looking at races. So she talked, she had um, transgender, transsexual, homosexual, every bisexual, I think there was one that might've been more asexual. So almost every diversity that is modern and is really out there with, especially with younger readers, this is a YA book. And yet she covers all of these gender and stereotypic topics so well. And every character is, is unique. And it's not even, uh, it's not like when I was reading books as a kid that might deal with homosexuals or, uh, asexuals or something it was always kind of like you know that was still controversial in her world no it just is it's just mm. just the way it is and accepted and i'm like this is nice it's nice to get into that mindset where this is not a uh, something you need to bring up and tear apart and explain it is just like oh no that's fine that's fine so you're a woman but you would rather be a man okay we're good <laughs> it's just like this is wonderful this is perfect so that was one thing, like I said, her characters and how they related to the world and related to each other. I see why she's doing as well as she is because she's very brilliant. And now that her world is getting in deeper, it's really good. But yeah, it, when you get a chance to read hers, you're going to have to take a little breath every once in a while because there's definitely parts of the world you'd be like, you could have <laughs> done more to it. But I think she's a great example right. of looking at genders and stereotypes and characters and you know again she doesn't have different races she doesn't have elves and dwarves and all of those things she keeps with humans and i think that's becoming a lot more of a trend i'm seeing you know some of the high fantasy books going that way but there's a lot of books that coming out that it's just people just humans and just exploring the topics and be it religion or gender why we're mean to each other what are the cultural differences why are we fighting and those are all the hidden subtext and it's like wow this is this is different and i kind of think that's special in its mm -hmm. own way but that was also a bit what i meant when i said that um it, it, fantasy in this regard makes you reflect a bit about yeah. your own opinions to people who are of a different sexual orientation than yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, reading a hundred thousand words about these people or however long the book is, but but you're spending a considerable amount of time in the mm -hmm. head of these characters and you start to understand or at least see how they live their life and, and what it means to them. Mm -hmm. And and that's where I think it really matters a lot, these kind of things, because it helps us become better people basically because we start understanding i mean that this is what reading does to people in my view yeah. like we, we become better people stories heal people because mm -hmm. you 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 become more em empathic towards others because you start understanding how they feel and, and so on so i think that that is all very good but at the end of the day i'm also thinking now that we're talking about it that if we are talking about a topic like um, sex or race or sexuality and stuff like that in in books what it really comes down to at the end of the day is just a conversation about characters actually 
Yeah, it's you know, true. Because with yeah, it is just a matter of these characters they are who they are and their experiences through the life that they live influence who they are as a person and they influence their surroundings, but they are just people. No, that's so true. And it is also, you have characters who, you know, they overcome, they get to be friends with people they might not have thought of before. And so maybe you start seeing that other side. It's really, it's up to authors. And again, you could be maybe a very narrow mindset author where something is right and something is wrong. And that's what you want to put in your story. But to be authentic to that, you should understand the other side as well. But I would say a lot of fantasy authors, at least the ones I read, are very liberal. And they're trying to make you see people are people and life is living, you know, whether it's a sentient tree or a dragon or your next door neighbor who you really just can't stand. But they're a person and they have feelings. And so I think that (laughs) comes out in fantasy that we do our best to understand. And and you're right, the science, there's been actually quite a few studies about readers and reading. And it shows that people who read a lot of books actually have more empathy. And they understand we live a hundred, you know, a thousand different lives by through stories. So we understand people and can transport ourselves into someone else's head so much easier as a reader, I haven't seen the studies as authors, mm. but I would assume it probably carries over because we really, as an author, you really spend time in heads. I, Whether it's a villain or I always bring up that politician that I just could not get into his head. I am not meant for politics. But you learn something about the strengths <laughs> and weaknesses of other people by putting yourself in their heads and writing a 100,000 words in their point of view. And I've always said my fa- my favorite character is the one whose point of view I'm writing in at this moment. I don't care if they're the worst character in the room or the best character in the room, but they are my favorite one because I am going to tell the story to the best of my ability to tell their story the, the best way I can. And so when you do that, you do transform yourself and you open yourself up to other possibilities. And that is the power of story is to be able to maybe bring some understanding to the world. It, I've said before, it's changed. Fantasy changed. The reading I did as a teenager changed who I became because I grew up in a very conservative, very small-minded community. And I was reading, and it wasn't even Dragonlance, Mercedes Lackey. I was totally the one who I read some things about, you know, a woman. I still remember the scene, a woman who was selling, uh, was a prostitute and they were riding by and one person's like, Oh, well, that is just so low of her. And it's like, she has nothing else to sell, but herself. She is in that bad of a shape and that bad of poverty. And it kind of mm. like, was a slap in the face. I'm like, so yeah, this isn't like it's a moral choice. She has no other choice. And it made me start questioning things from a very young age and wondering about the stuff I was being taught and whether it was right and how I wanted to view the world. Yeah, I think that's you're saying a lot of true things there because essentially, and like you say, you know, if, if the character didn't have any choice. And, and yeah. if you understand that the fact that the customer didn't have any choice, then that gives you a new perspective. But at, yeah. uh, on the flip side of that, for example, we've, we've been doing a lot of, uh, or still are doing a lot of research about uh, 
pirate history and stuff yes. like that because we want to write uh, some stories about pirates in the future. Um, and with regards to all that research, uh, well, we both watched the Netflix shows, The Pirate Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Um, and there, for example, um, it really rubbed me the wrong way that how they portray- portrayed Anne Bonny in that uh, uh, series there because... Uh-huh. If you have, like you were ex- just explaining there from that book, you know, if you understand why the character is in that situation and they act that way because maybe they don't have any choice or maybe they have chosen this because it made sense or it aligns with their motivations or whatever, then it is fine. But in this Netflix show, for example, I really, I must say I really enjoyed the show, so I, I'm not putting the show down because it is i think it's really informative and a very good show if you like pirates then go and watch it but the one thing that i did not like was was the Anne bonnie part because they basically portray her like she's just this kind of prostitute that just runs around and and does the you know prostitute thing in quotation mark here um but but she, they don't give her any sort of motivation or explain anything. And so afterwards, I, during the summer holidays here, I got a bit annoyed with it. So I actually went and I found a nonfiction book about Anne Bonny and her life. And then I bought that and read it. And my God, she She's is awesome. so fascinating. She? She's so fascinating. But they just did not get that across at all in that Netflix show, which was a shame. But the, the whole point I was just trying to make here was that it doesn't really matter if a character is of a certain sexuality or if they're in a certain situation whereby they're doing things that normally would be frowned upon. But if you can make sure that it is clear why they're in this situation and why Mm -hmm. what they're doing is aligned with, maybe their motivation is just to, I need to do this to get out of this situation Mm -hmm. or, you know, long-term. If I can just uh, earn enough money, I can buy my ticket out of here or whatever it may be. But as long as it's clear why they're doing what they're doing, Mm -hmm. you can easily have characters who are doing things or are acting certain ways or maybe that's just the way that they are in their personality. But if, if the reader at least understand, don't, don't necessarily agree with it, but if they at least understand why, then you can get away with all of these things. And then at the same time, you will make the reader start think a bit about, well, maybe these kind of people who does this thing that I don't like, whatever mm-hmm. that may be, uh, yeah. maybe they're not too bad, all of them, right? Yeah. And, and, and thus you you start healing the world a bit there, <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> I can hope. And I do think to play on, to add to that is that uh, I think a lot of traditional fantasy up until possibly recently, the people who were different were changing or leaving their society because they were like the cultural abnormal. And so they were going to find a group where they're accepted. I think that's um, something a lot of us feel, but I have noticed a shift where there's a lot more stories where no, they want to speak up for the other people in their society who feel the same way, who are also put it down. They don't want to just, it's not the classic trope is like, like I said, the fem- the token female. She's the only one who wants to be your hero. And she's the only one who wants to go carry a sword. Well, no, now she's speaking up for her best friend and the sisters who are out there who they should be given the choice. And I've noticed that a lot in several <clears throat> of the <throat> books I've read recently. And so I see that as a cultural shift where it's like 
people don't want to be the only one. They know there's enough other people on the planet, even if it's a fantasy world. They're not the only one, and they want to help everyone. And I think that's also exciting. And again, I think it's interesting. Like if I was studying this in school, you could actually track the difference in society and the different generations and how we're trying to make things better and safe for a lot of different people. And it shows in our fiction. And that is the importance of why it is in there. That's why when society goes crazy, they start outlawing and then burning books. That's why it wasn't Plato who said, you know, Basically, books are one of the things, if you want to have a controlled society, don't let people read. Because as soon as they start reading, they start mm, understanding yeah. each other so much better. So yeah, they might be fantasy, but it's incredibly powerful literature, and it'll change people's minds. Yeah, well, it still happens today in some parts of the world where you're not allowed to read whatever you want. Exactly. So and yeah, it's not and even that foreign. <laughs> it's not. Unfortunately, I mean, there's we were just talking about other current cultural things going on. And, you know, there's a lot of societies where women are not allowed to read or different people are, are not taught to read. And it's to control them. Once you give people the ability to read, they start questioning and they start learning and they might learn something that you can't control. And I think that's that's why reading and literacy is so important and that's why as authors it's also important that the things we put into our stories it's one thing to tell a tale i'm all for a really good story but i even if it's not an overt uh thing i put into the plot i think my worldview of who's ex of accepting people and protecting life and caring for people just comes through because those tend to be the characters i create or i tend to push all the characters that way eventually and the other ones just get tossed off <laughs> this uh entire conversation just got a lot deeper than i thought it would oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well i <laughs> that we can blame dominic it is all your fault thank you for asking this question but yeah, so I guess it was an easy question to answer. Does it make a difference what gender, sex, race, ethnicity, or whatever you want to call are your characters? Is it a big deal to have those in your fantasy? It's possibly the biggest deal if you want to change the world. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's about creating characters and what race and sex and sexuality they are. That's part of their being. And uh, so... It is very important, and, and to me, it's it's not something you just pick at random. You know, try to think a bit about it when you create your characters and see if you can incorporate something that, and not that you need to force any of it into any story mm -hmm. if it doesn't belong there, but if it would make sense or if it would give a different perspective to some of the storytelling and, and basically enhance the story, mm -hmm. then why not use it? And also during your world building, I think it would be good That's to... Rare. Think about such things and think about how would it influence society? How would it influence other characters? If this character is very different from everybody else, how, how would that influence relationships and so on? And how do society view this group of people or this particular race or whatever it may be? You know, I, all those sorts of things are very important to think about. So does it matter? Yes, I think it matters a lot. <laughs> I agree. I think we could wrap it up there that this is this is important and i agree especially world building it should come from there you 
should not just pick because diversity is a good buzzword and because you want to be popular around among the zennials, you're going to have someone who's transgender. Don't do it to be popular or to get the sales. Do it because you are care about the topic. You've researched it. You understand it. It fits the character and it's the world you want to create. Don't just do it to try to, you know, fit in for the other readers. Do your homework. Readers will know. They'll know the difference. Yeah. The story is king, as we like to say sometimes. (laughs) Or queen. (laughs) Well, next Monday, I have an excellent interview lined up for you. I'm talking to Jane Friedman about traditional publishing contracts, how to get an agent, and many other things. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on patreon.com slash amwritingfantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday. <laughs>